The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. So uh, he and I chat and I explain to him, yeah, I want to build the ultimate outdoor chair. We want to take the style of the classic 50s and 60s ones and we want to put modern features in it. We want to put what people want in it. We want to put a solid cooler in it. Um, You know, there's a lot of chairs out there that have a storage compartment or a cooler built into it, but they're placed on the backrest. And so if you wanted to actually you can't reach get them, to it, if you're sitting there, right? Yeah. You have to, you either have to stand up and go get what you want out of it, or you have to do what I call like the weird giraffe T-Rex arm where you got to reach <laughs> yeah. your neck or no, arm no, you like dislocate your shoulders. Then... What happens? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. So, no, that's not practical. You got to get so, up. I mean, that's what so, it comes down to. You got to get up and you got to go around the chair and take your stuff out of it. Yeah, you got to leave the comfortable position you're in and, and then go find the, the the drinks that you put in the cooler that didn't even stay cool because it's not really a, a cooler. It's just a little pouch that's waterproof. It's just right. like, I, so we went through the drawing line of like all the things I wanted to improve with it. And he was like, you need to talk to the guys that helped us design our product, um, Clugonics. And they're a, a product engi- industrial design firm right. um, in Utah. Uh, it's led by also a younger guy. He's uh, his name is Jason Klug and he's, he's in his probably, I think early thirties. I don't know for certain. Okay. Um, but he started Klugonics, uh, basically out of his garage. Um, I think five years, five or is six years engineer, ago. an architect, uh, engineer. So they do like and, AutoCAD they're using basically to design these things or similar yep. systems. Yep. And now they've got this incredible, incredible office space in Utah with 3d printers and a team of engineers and product designers. And uh, I get on the phone with him and I'm, you know, like very new to what's going to happen in product design. Um, but the reference from the guys at Cache was just so, so helpful and kind of like putting me in a position where it's like, okay, he's built this product for them. It's in alignment with the quality and similar features that we want for ours. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. 
What's going on, guys? I'm Stephen Wilcox, the founder of Parkit Movement. We've built a product called the Voyager, which is the ultimate outdoor chair, which raised over $500,000 in crowdfunding. And in 2021, we'll be making our debut as a formal direct-to-consumer brand with chairs available for you to get outside and enjoy the exploration. So thanks for having us, Mitch. Excited to be here. All right, Steve. Would you go by Steve or Steven? Either one works for me. Okay, good. Well, I'll call you Steve then. Um, I appreciate coming on. I think your PR person connected us. Maybe uh, she was looking for places for you to be a guest. I think that's how we connected or through LinkedIn or something. Yeah, we've got um, we've got a little team um, that kind of pitches our story out from what we did on Kickstarter surrounding Parkit sure. and our product. And uh, every so often we get very lucky and we find people like you and they invite us on the show to share a little bit of our stories. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. I have a good friend of mine, Andrea Pass, who's a... Um, who's a PR specialist and she brings a lot of entrepreneurs or inventors on the show. So we've had people that have invented stuff for home use. We had a guy, actually I had, I don't know if this episode's out or not, but he's the president of UIA United mm -hmm. inventors association, which is probably you should look, something you should look into because uh, they have a lot of resources for, you know, people that are inventing stuff. He, he was back in the seventies and eighties or eighties and nineties. Maybe I'm making a mold, but he did a lot of the early kitchen stuff, you know, like when they were selling olive oil sprays and you couldn't just buy it off the shelf in a spray yep. in those days. And he sold a lot of that kitchen type of stuff. And now he's the president of uh, United Adventures Association. I can introduce you to him, but I appreciate you coming on the show. I know you said you appreciated me having you, but it supports us. And uh, we're going to tell your story today. So you're uh, 85. So you got a long life story to tell us. <laughs> and we're going to be here for a couple of hours. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but why don't, but you are young and, and you're, you're, you know, you're really doing well with this whole venture, but why don't we go back a little bit? Cause I know you've, you've been with some brands that we've all heard of and worked in that, in an industry. And then we could talk about how Parkit came about and how you, or the Voyager really, but how the whole company came about, what's going on with that. Yeah. So, you know, background, uh, the best way to kind of start that off is with college. I went out to school in Orange County at Chapman University. Um, right. My grandfather was a finance guy. My dad was an Air Force navigator. My mom was a school teacher. And okay. through that was always exposed to the finance things of life because my dad being so process oriented picked up what my grandfather was teaching him. And so went to school, thought to myself, you know, let's get a finance degree. That's what everyone else in the family right, does. Of course. Um, junior year, got an internship with a bank and was like, this is not what you want to do. This is not for me. And right. that's really where I can pivot, you know, the mindset of like, this is what I want to do with my life. And this is how I'm going to pursue it. Um, and that's when I started pursuing the ability to align my passions, which are outdoor adventure. Um, I don't know if you're watching this on video, but like you can see my garage, I've got snowboard equipment. Somebody might be watching on a wall. video. Yeah. Um, we've got the chair right here, the Voyager that we, that's a that surfboard gonna, above your head, right? That's a surfboard above my head. And there's six more along the wall that you can't fishing see. Fishing rods. I say fishing rods yeah. above your head. And I was like, how am I going to be able to build a career that aligns with the lifestyle that I like to pursue? Yeah. And that's where I started diving into opportunities with brands like Oakley. Um, uh -huh. I was uh, fortunate out of school to join the marketing team there for a bit of time and, and learn a lot about what goes into the processes and, and marketing plans that have built Oakley into this you know multi-billion dollar company. Yeah, I um, think a lot of people like growing up, right? You're not taught to like, like those two things can be together. It's yeah. like, this is what you like to do. And this is your job. So go do your job and you can do what you like to do on the weekends or something. And I think that's a lot to be said that you figured that out younger mm -hmm. than, you know, people are 50 or 60 or my age. And they're like, I hate what I do. Well, what don't you like what you do on the weekends? I do. Well, can you do anything 
as a job, well, it's a little late. I'm 55, I'm 60, you know, whatever. And yeah. it's, it's good that you uh, determine that early, you know? And, and you know, it's funny, like one of the things that I've learned, the more of uh, the more that I've transitioned out of the like formal W2 work world and into the entrepreneurial side, right. um, the more I realize that I actually don't enjoy the weekends anymore because I don't actually get to do what it is that I like to do, which is run my business and do the activities and build the brand and do the storytelling that, that makes Park It what it is. Yeah. And that's really what I was doing at Oakley was we were going in the, we were going in the surf shops and snowboard shops and we were figuring out how we could make Oakley present itself better. And, you know, that meant traveling to Utah. That meant traveling to Tahoe. It meant going to all these incredible places. So Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday for me, were all the same. And right. it all started to blend together. And that's where I recognized, Hey, like you love this and you you get excited about it. You don't have the doldrum of, Oh, I want to wake up on Monday and hate that I have to go to my job. It was, I'm excited to go there. Sure. Um, and then, you know, this is like the, the next stage in the chapter was I, I left Oakley and went over to Quicksilver. Um, and that's joined, a surfboard company, right? Yeah. Quicksilver, um, is one of the largest, uh, surf and action sports brands in the world. They were used to be traded on the New York stock exchange. And I believe at one point were valued close to a billion. I don't know if they ever broke the B line. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, very different circumstance than what I experienced at Oakley in the sense of where the company was in its life cycle. Right. Um, Oakley had just been sold to Luxottica for X amount of billions of dollars. Quicksilver, uh, within the first two weeks of me being there, we have an all hands meeting. Everyone's gathered into the center of the warehouse. Um, and the CEO and the executive team just drops on us. We're filing chapter 11 bankruptcy. We're restructuring. Um, we've brought in this company that's going to help us fund all the restructuring. Right. And I just remember being like, all right, I'm 24 and I have no idea what any of this means and did not plan on really experiencing that when I jumped from right. Quicksilver Oakley to Quicksilver. I thought I was moving more into a surf direction. Um, and what that exposed me to was really the confidence to build my own business, I think, at the early stage that I did, because I got to see what Oakley did that was so process oriented and so efficient. Uh -huh. And I got to learn what mistakes Quicksilver as an organization had made across all of their brands to put themselves into a bankruptcy situation. Right. And then over the course of the next year, year and a half, um, the marketing team I was on, we did everything that we could possibly do to reassert the dominance of what they say, the mountain and the wave, that logo that you see from Quicksilver across the action sports industry. Um, and, you know, in the years to follow, the, the brand really made a complete U-turn and the organization is headed in the right direction. And I remember sitting around um, a couple like months into the the turnaround once we had launched the new campaigns and recognizing, wow, like we're seeing direct results. We're seeing complete 180s and things that, and because of the things that we're doing, how can you do this in your own life? Because um, right. my uncle is an entrepreneur. He's an incredible mentor of mine, has always been pushing me down the entrepreneurial route probably since I was like 12 years old. Right. Um, and more and more people, like I started to recognize, like could sense that. Steve, let me that just interrupt you. I think yeah, your yeah, mic is like rubbing on your jacket. So maybe you want to hold that in your hand because I want it to sound good for you. Yeah, sorry about that. That's better. No, I don't I don't want it to sound bad for you. So No, I appreciate that. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, so I had these people that were like projecting to like, hey, you should probably look into entrepreneurship. Like, and, and within these organizations, you know, you have a specific kind of like scale that you have. It's like you start at coordinator, you move to manager from manager, mm -hmm. you move to director. And, and there's like a specific kind of time frame that you have to fulfill before you can even be like looked at to move into one of those situations. Yeah. And so with those types of changes, 
and those types of restrictions being placed on me, I was like, I have a lot of things I want to try and do, and I want to do them faster than what that scale looks like. Right. And, um, you know, when I combined the thought process of what I learned with process and, and efficiencies with Oakley to the U-turn we made at Quicksilver, um, it just drew the line of, you know how to drive this and you know what mistakes potentially not to make. Um, still going to make a ton along the way. You know, I yeah, don't well, wanna... that's how you learn, you know. Exactly. You know, I won't want to make it sound like it's easy sailing because of that experience, but uh, it definitely put me in a mindset to recognize we've U-turned a multi-million dollar business. Um, what's stopping me from U-turning, you know, my own entrepreneurial venture into a, a profitable venture. And, right. Uh, sure. Well, you yep. probably realized a lot early on, like a lot of entrepreneurs that you're more right brain than left brain. You like to be creative <laughs> and you like to create things. And that's why the numbers didn't excite you. Oh no, the, num- the the numbers still excite me. They just uh, I get yeah, just really have excited. dollar signs next to them, right? Yeah, the best is when you know, like we go out and we take some photos of the Voyager with some friends, and we throw a camper van in the background, and then we remove the camper van, and we have a, a friend fishing um, out in the distance, and the chairs by itself, and like we get to find out because of the way that marketing works. Like this is this is new, basically because of what Facebook's been able to create. Yeah, uh, but we can look at that and go, hey, the photo with the van performed better than the photo of the fisherman, uh, right. vice versa. And so we get to actually see the merit um, financially of what our creative ca- capabilities are as a marketer and as a creator. Yeah, because it's um, easy to test things now. Yeah, which right. is incredible. You know, like I'll circle back to like at Oakley when I was there, um, the, the the executive team looks at us and goes, here's a bucket of cash. Use this bucket of cash to support sales. And so we're just, you know, this sounds cool. Do you think this will work? What's our distribution channels on this? Let's throw it this places. It's working, but there's no measurability to it. We just right. we're basically throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it works. Yeah. Now it's like, well, this is exactly what we're going to do because we've seen time and time again that this process and this type of creative uh, engages the best. That engagement results in these types of these types of revenues. Then let's just keep the cycle going. And it's yeah. it's incredible the way that they've changed the things. Um, you know, just in, in and it's important. You don't have money to dump into advertising and things you can't measure, you, you you know, like every other entrepreneur, you got a limited budget and mm-hmm. use it wisely. Maybe Oakley or some big companies can dump money different places, trying different things, which is sometimes why they get in trouble. But you just can't, you know, most small business owners just can't afford to do that. They have to measure what they're doing. They got to be careful about it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, f- quickly figure out what's the best. What did you say before? What's the best performing, you know, What's the best performing and creative picture, whatever that right. Creative is the best word. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So then, so, so then we, where were you at this point? You were at Quicksilver. Yeah. So this is, um, this is 2016. I'm at Quicksilver. Um, and a buddy of mine, um, who is a peer of mine, same age. Um, he went to USC. Mm-hmm. Um, he launches a direct to consumer watch brand called Vair. And uh, we all go camping one night and uh, we're in San Onofre, California. We're all outdoor surf oriented people. And so we're doing what we love to do. And um, he's telling me about his watches and I'm starting to have kind of the, well, okay. Like if you're doing this, what's stopping me from doing this? This is where I'm really starting to have the, the light bulb moment of, of where I can really probably come up with some form of idea and, and take what I know from marketing and branding and put a brand behind it and build it. Right. And uh, he starts sharing with me like all the things that they've done and all the things that he's learned. And he's explaining like global supply chains and Swiss made pieces and and Chinese made pieces and American assembly pieces. And and I'm like, this is a hell of a puzzle. What's your plan for branding? And he's like, oh, you know, like that's not his, his world. He's not the marketing branding guy. He's much more of the product and the sales and supply chain. He's the back end. He's more the COO than the, uh, 
the CMO. Got it. And, uh, and so I'm like discussing these things with him and I'm like, you know, like we could put a brand together and he's like, no, nah, I don't think we really need to do that yet. But well, wasn't really, Va- you said it was called Vare? Yeah. V A E R V A E R. Oh, like here, Vare mm-hmm. over there. So, so was, uh, it, that was the name of the watch or that was the name of the company. That was the name of the company. Okay. And, uh, um, they had one product basically. Yep. Uh, watches, which, um, they're killer watches. If it's still around. Oh yeah. Still around. Um, they're doing, they're doing great growing really, really well organically. In fact, uh, he'd be another person I think would be worthwhile to reach out and have on your show. Sure. Um, we'll wrap up on the the contact details for him afterwards, but yeah, we won't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't want to throw the audience. This is how you get in touch with this guy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we're sitting around the fire and we're talking about stuff and I'm starting to have this like realization of if he's doing all this, I could figure this out. I've got these elements to the table that, that, you know, I can bring and I can learn these things. And, you know, it was becoming the, it was drawing a more clear picture for me. And, uh, that night, like of all nights, he goes to sit down in his chair and it completely blows open on him, like in the, in the seat area. And it was almost like watching one of those moments in elementary school where your friend leans too far back in their chair. And then there's the big crash and everybody laughs. And, and that was the light bulb moment for me when I went, Oh my God, there it is. That's the product. We bring these products everywhere we go, whether it's the beach, whether it's snowboarding and we're pulling them out to put on our snowboarding boots and sit on the snow between laps. Um, it's when we're fishing, it's, it, it fit everything that we like to do. And we've all bought a new one every year for the last, what, 10 years. Um, and that's where I went, Oh my God, we could build a better one. That's durable. It's long lasting. We could build the functionality that we want into it. And, uh, from there it was kind of grab the, grab the pen and paper. Let's write down the draw. Let's write down everything we can think of. And over the course of the, the next two years, I put together a uh, very firm foundation of like the brand and what it would stand for. Right. came up with the name park it, um, came so up no, with the name. So you didn't, product. Uh, interestingly enough, you didn't like, well, it wasn't just that you said, wow, this chair tore and we can make a better chair. It supported all the things you were trying to do. Like you use it. Yes, exactly. Right. It, it, it's That's a product important that, because, you know, uh, some inventors don't use their stuff that much. They just thought it was a good idea. Yep. No, it's like, it was a product that we used. It's a product that we all were always complaining about. And it was just the light bulb moment for me where I knew that I could take the creative mind space that I have and apply all of the branding and all of the marketing strategies that made brands like Oakley, Quicksilver, Nike, like think of all these apparel brands that, that live by their certain values. And, and the, you know, the best example is Nike's just do it. Um, They threw just do it on a magazine and a poster back in the eighties, just like, let's see what happens. And it became one of the most recognizable slogans for a company and what that company stands for. And now it's associated to all the athletes and all, all it's, it's not so much that, Hey, Nike makes shoes. It's that Nike stands for these values. Right. And we happen to have shoes and for park it, we're about the enjoyment of outdoor exploration. We want to go outside and spend time with our friends and our families. And we want to be comfortable and enjoy what we're using while we're doing it. And uh, that was really the piece of the puzzle for me where I went, oh my God, this fits everything that I've been wanting to build. Let's so, get to work. So how do you start building a chair? I mean, you know, you don't go to the, what do you do? You you call a chair manufacturer, say, hey, we're looking, can you brand it up for us? I mean, what oh, did you do? Oh my God. Um, so this was how naive I was to product design. Right. Um, I would, uh, I took one of the chairs that I had, which was an old classic, um, lawn chair that you'd see in like the fifties and sixties. Right. Um, and I drove that With thing. Like the nylon straps, like in yellow or green or something like that. 
your yep, grandmother exactly. had them right with an yeah, aluminum every, frame mm-hmm. yeah and um i took that because that was the aesthetic that i knew we wanted i was like this is the aesthetic it's classic it's timeless there everybody has a nostalgic feel to them and they're they're gorgeous in my opinion i think they're 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 still great looking. You could throw it on any patio today and they're, they're great looking chairs. And so I knew I wanted that aesthetic. And I just drove that thing to like metal shops and woodworkers and was like, would you guys know what to do? And they're like, ha, what are you thinking? Like, like looking at me, like I'm like some crazy 27 year old kid, just like, right. and, um, you know, uh, it took me about four months to realize like none of these guys that you're knocking on these doors are making, they have no idea. To have any idea like really what you're trying to do and none of them know the direction and it was like they, they they'd meet me and they'd be like mitch you should go check out this guy uh you should go check out this guy and it was right. just you're running constant, around like, like with a chicken with your head cut off yeah just like maybe this guy's gonna know what to do and eventually right. just i went on linkedin and i wrote i have an idea for a custom consumer goods product and i need help building it does anyone have any advice i'm not really in a position to share details because it's just so early right on. of course um but, but that's smart. You reached out to networks that are real and you can post a question and yep. I and and I works. ended up you started connecting with people, right? And and I ended up having a an old coworker of mine from Oakley um who had just actually built his own consumer goods product. They built a uh, a, a truck tailgate pad that has okay. two pop-up chairs in it. So you the chairs fold down and when you drop the tailgate down, you can pop the chairs up and then they built a cooler between the two chairs. And I was like well, this is oddly like, like this is one of those moments where it's like, Hey, God's putting the right guy in front of you. You got to talk to him about like how it is that, uh, they got this product designed. And so right. he and I get on the phone and he explains to me his product and I share with him. Yeah. So what was that? That was a, like the tailgate flips down and it was a pad that sits on top of the tailgate. And yes. where did the chairs go? Um, so they're, they're just a little pop-up thing. So oh, it's, like it's stadium built into chairs, the like when you- Yeah. Got exactly it. like stadium chairs. And so okay. they took the stadium chair concept, built it into that. And then right. there's a cooler. Then you built flip them up and you sit on the tailgate. Yep. And then on either, on uh, on the, there's like a center console um, where there's a cooler that you can just flop open and grab your drink and then close and that. Then when and you're, you're done, you fold it and you just flip it up and it sticks to the tailgate still. Yeah. And you just drive away. What about the cooler? Where does that go? Uh, it stays right there. It's all one piece. Doesn't close. doesn't open. Okay. Yep. And so, and so he and Is I are talking. still available in the marketplace. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, there, that company is called Cache. C, A C H E. After the uh, the mountains in uh, Utah, that's where they're based out of. Is Utah. So, so uh, he and I chat, and I explain to him, yeah, I want to build the ultimate outdoor chair. We want to take the style of the classic '50s and '60s ones, and we want to put modern features in it. We want to put what people want in it. We want to put a solid cooler in it. Um, you know, there's a lot of chairs out there that have a storage compartment or a cooler built into it, but they're placed on the backrest. And so if you wanted to actually you can't reach get them, to it, if you're sitting there, right? Yeah. You have to, you either have to stand up and go get what you want out of it, or you have to do what I call like the weird giraffe T-Rex arm where you got to reach yeah. your neck or no, arm no, around, you like, dislocate your shoulders. What happens? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. So, no, that's not practical. You got to get so, up. I mean, that's what so, it comes down to. You got to get up and you got to go around the chair and take your stuff out of it. Yeah, you got to leave the comfortable position you're in and, and then go find the, the the drinks that you put in the cooler that didn't even stay cool because it's not really a, a cooler. It's just a little pouch that's waterproof. It's just right. like, I, so we went through the drawing line of like all the things I wanted to improve with it. And he was like, you need to talk to the guys that helped us design our product, um, Klugonics. And they're a, a product engi- industrial design firm right. um, in Utah. 
Uh, it's led by also a younger guy. He's uh, his name is Jason Klug, and he's he's in his probably I think early 30s. I don't know for certain, mm-hmm. um, but he started Klugonics uh, basically out of his garage. Um, I think five years, five or is six. He an years engineer, ago. an architect, uh, engineer. So they do like and, AutoCAD. They're using basically to design these things or similar yep. systems. Yep. And now right. they've got this incredible, incredible office space in Utah with 3D printers and a team of engineers and product designers. And uh, I get on the phone with him and I'm, you know, like very new to what's going to happen in product design. Um, but the reference from the guys at Cache was just so, so helpful and kind of like putting me in a position where it's like, okay, he's built this product for them. It's in alignment with the quality and similar features that we want for ours. Okay, like let's have this talk. And he presents, this is what you're going to go through. We're going to go through the ideation phase where we're going to make sure that we align on what it is visually that our goals are. We're going to go through the design for engineering phase where we're going to go through the CAD and the modeling and the tooling and, and understand what those are going to look like from a digital perspective. And did then you we're going to go through. You said it was in Utah. They were in Utah? Yep. So did you fly out there? Oh, yeah. I've, 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 I've flown to Utah so many Wasn't times the now. Days debating. Of Zoom, so. No, I was flying out to Utah um, probably three to four times a year. So once a quarter um, uh, to meet with them to review things. And then, you know, the final stage was designed for manufacturing, which is where we start building the prototypes and we start understanding, okay, what do we need to relay to a manufacturer to build this product? Because, right, sure. And, you know, you don't it, just give them a prototype and here, make it. Yeah, exactly. It's and, not going to come and, out right. Yeah. And um, we didn't want to private label anything because right. private private labeling, like we could easily have gone on Alibaba and gone, these look right. Let's put our logo on this. And people have done it. Yeah. People, uh, they, you know, I don't want to knock it. It's definitely a solid business model. Um, but for us, we knew that we wanted to create something that was a complete differentiator to what existed on the market. Sure. And so, uh, you know, we're having this conversation with Jason about what's going to go into all these f- three phases. And I'm sitting there like, this is going to blow through my entire savings account. How are we going to do this? Yeah. And um, he Tell sends me, me over, he sends me over a quote for it. And I look at the number at the bottom and like, basically like my gut just kind of drops and I'm like, Oh God, it was like, like 10 times your savings, right? <laughs> not 10 times, but it was up there. It was to a point where I was like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? Right. And like, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, like business net 30. So he's going to want this net 30 based upon the yeah. marketing things I've done. Well, in the past. Doesn't he need a deposit? He's not going to do it for free. Exactly. Well, he's going to need a deposit and then he's going to need, you know, like the best thing about it was he explains to me, no, but this is all over the course of the, like the, the timeline that it takes us to produce this. So if this takes us six months, you'll pay the full balance in six months. If it takes us two years, it'll take us. Right. But you're not selling any product because you're working on creating the product. Yes. Um, But at the same time, that was the part where I went, Oh, okay. Perfect. I can, I can start opening up. I can still contract. I can still be an independent contractor and a brand consultant and work with all these brands making money to fuel this while we design this. And it puts me in a very good position to kind of delineate that risk. Right. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. 
care for the planet, and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Um, and so Jason and I get started and, uh, oh my God, their team is absolutely incredible. Like they, uh, I remember getting the first deck for the ideation thing and I saw it and was like, you guys literally took everything that was in my head and just turned it into a visual. Like, what do we do next? Um, and you know, it took us quite some time and a couple of years to get it to the, to the quality and the standards that we, that we set for it. Right. Um, but, uh, it was a hell of a ride to get to, you know, just figuring out how are we going to build this thing? Yeah, and, uh, sure. It's a good learning the, experience. I'm sure finding, finding the right people and finding the experts, even though the cash value at the bottom of it, I've learned, uh, paying for that expertise up front is just huge dividends down the line, um, in terms of what it is that you, you want to build, especially if it's something that's custom and unique and, and a differentiator to what exists on the marketplace. Did you have any hiccups along the way? Like you were designing something and then you went to manufacture and it came in and it, the parts didn't fit together or is something wrong? Oh know? yeah. The first, the first thing we did, well, the framing was, uh, the framing was one of the easiest things. Okay. Um, getting that built was very, you know, structurally you build it in CAD, get it made in a, in a, in a, a prototype. Oh, Hey, there's a little bit of a tweak here. There's a tweak here. So subtle angle adjustments. That was, okay. that was a piece not of a cake. big deal. The challenging part was taking the, uh, the fabric that creates the woven patterns right. and figuring out how we were going to actually make those in ways that we could customize it. Like one of my early visions for it was to figure out like, what could we do that was like, I, I don't know if people have seen these shirts, but there's these shirts out there that are like a full moon and there's a wolf on a mountain howling and there's, they're like purple and, and kind of tie dyed, but they're yeah, very I deep, think so. right. super, super detailed shirts. Um, and one of my thoughts was, what if we're able to put that on yeah. these chairs? You yeah. Know? And so that's me just going full creative mode and then finding out the, the limitations that exist within production. And so that was our biggest challenge was like, all right, let's try this fabric style and let's apply ink this way. Oh, the heat transfer didn't work and it's starting to fade in our testing. Okay, we don't want to do that. What if we do a woven? Well, then what's the machine capabilities of the woven? How crazy can we get with the patterns? And so right. that was the piece of the puzzle. Um, that was definitely the most challenging was figuring out the patterns and how, so and how those what, are. so how custom can you do them now? Um, we have a couple patterns, um, that uh, are live right now on the site. One of which is called Calico, um, which is a three color pattern. Um, it has a jacquard kind of very, um, uh, kind of like native American inspired pattern. Like the one behind you or no? Uh, 
No, not this one. This one just has a very simple like squares going side to side like this. And then Got there's it. lines. So that one was a piece of cake. Um, and there's no intercolor within uh, the lines. This, the, the Calico one, um, it has very much like kind of like a, a Mexican blanket style or uh -huh. Native American um, type of like uh, element to it. And so there's a lot right. of earth tones blended in with each other. And that Got was it. the piece of the puzzle for us that we're like, how do we, we do this and how does this print correctly? And we maintain the quality and the structure of everything. And, and uh, that one was the most challenging. Um, but it was cool to, to, to figure that out because it started to open our eyes to what else could we could build. And now, you know, treat that as kind of a canvas and, and we can try to build it. So that's been kind of fun for the creative side of my life. So is this, hold on a second. Uh, this should show up. I think this will show up on the video or is it this? Yeah. So this is the basic chair, right? Wait, it's not up yet. Now you can see it, right? Yes. That one is called classic blue. Got it. Oh, and I see there's the, so which one's the calico down here? The red one. Oh, okay. So let's click on that. Let's take a look. There you go. So you can see the, the, the uh, more intricate. Yeah. Yes. And that was one of the pieces of it where as we're starting to figure out, like, these are what the machine capabilities are, you know, like we, we've drawn up all these crazy designs and crazy patterns. Yeah. And then we learn the machine capabilities and we're like, okay, um, well, how are we going to figure this out? And uh, we have the, like, we had some really elaborate designs. Like I was mentioning, like the wolf, like the one with the wolf and all that other stuff. And right. But the machines of, themselves can't produce this woven, right. Cause it would have to be printed on this whole woven thing. It would be difficult to do. Yes, exactly. And so, um, but we figured it out and, uh, you know, we are getting, uh, all the photos of, from the factory samples right now, and they're looking solid and like, we're really, really excited to, to get our hands on these things tangibly and, and get them to our backers. So they're going to be stoked. Yeah. Cause um, you're waiting for your first delivery, right. To come in 2021. Yes. Yep. So what, where are these being manufactured overseas? So, yeah. So we're doing all of our manufacturing overseas in China, right? That has come with a whole slew of new challenges that sure. as an entrepreneur, um, I was not necessarily versed in understanding any of it. Um, one of the things, for example, is freight. Um, and for anyone, you know, who, who's thinking of importing a product, you're going to either do two options. You're going to air freight it or you're going to ocean freight it. Ocean's cheaper, but it takes um, longer, right? Ocean's, ocean's cheaper. It takes longer. Um, but right now, a very unique market condition um, that we're experiencing is that containers are being used at all of these shipping ports as extra storage for PPE equipment. And so when we place these massive orders overseas for masks and gloves and all this stuff uh, to fight COVID-19, they ship that stuff over. And we somewhat, you know, like if you think through the U.S. cycle of COVID-19, we had a spike early in the spring. We've had right. a, downtra a downturn during the summer. And uh, right now when we're recording this, you know, it's it's getting close to Thanksgiving and we're starting to see another Here round spiking. Yep. And so those containers that they ordered earlier in the year have been sitting in these ports um, basically since the summertime preparing for basically, you know, uh, round two, uh, our country versus covid and that's taken up supply of containers. And so there's a shortage oh, in supply of containers. Yeah. No, you, you, you don't, when you're, when you're thinking of stuff, you're like, oh, cool. Like container cost is on average this much, this time of year, there's this many boats, there's this many containers. This is the variance that we should forecast for. Well, right. you know, X amount of containers are, are out of commission filled with PPE equipment, just sitting in these ports. And uh, that makes a shortage, which causes, you know, an increase in demand and that causes a price increase. And right now, some of the freight costs that people are seeing 
um, are upwards of three to four times what you would normally be paying to ocean oh freight. And you can products. only pass so much of that on. You already have your pricing listed, right? So, oh yeah, exactly. And, and so we're having a hundred dollar price increase and there's like a 50% increase in your price to cover additional yep. costs. But I, you know, you don't really think about things that disrupt the global supply chain until you're in the thick of it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Like in your mind, you, you know, I, one of the funnier things that I saw on Instagram recently was a, a screenshot of, I don't know if it's a real screenshot of Elon Musk's notes. Um, <laughs> but if it was, it was like, it, it said um, like sell PayPal. And then it was like split. It basically was like five bullet points, like sell PayPal, start solar city, start Tesla, start SpaceX, do these things result here. Right. It was like, this is the very linear five-step plan. Right. Well, like that's easy to look at and think about. And then when you get into the layers of that, like they're just, it, it's the definition of like the, the Shrek onion, like how deep do the, la- the layers of this thing go? Yeah. And you start to find these things where you're like, wait a minute, the quote we got for one container to cross the ocean in the spring of this year was 2,100 bucks. Now we're looking at a quote for it to let's say 4,800 bucks. What caused that? And then you got to go figure out what that is because you got to report that in some understanding within your own balance sheet and income statement going, right. okay, uh, these are the adjustments we have to make. What is this going to do to our bottom line? And then when right. you're an entrepreneur in your very early stages, you know, that increase, that type of price increase into your forecast can make or break what it is that you're doing. Plus and, you're on pre-orders, right? So you guys have taken a lot of orders in at a certain price. You can't raise the price. People have paid already. Yep. You got to deliver the product. Yeah. Could you imagine if, you know, like, uh, and, and we're not alone in this. There's a, no, of course not. there's a ton of Kickstarters this year that have been incredibly successful that are also doing their production overseas in some capacity. Right. And we're all sitting there looking at it going, well, um, do you guys want to split a container with us? We have seven, you've got five, but our seventh one is halfway full. Do you guys want to split that oh, one? Really? Like, like, it, like the, the cool thing about the Kickstarter community is that based upon you know, the, the, you're very forward about your product up front. And I, right, we can get in the Kickstarter too. I know that there's probably a lot of people out there who are like, hmm, what's Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, but the Kickstarter community itself is a really cool place for entrepreneurs because you can go through everybody's projects. And one of the rules is basically transparency. Like you're, you're up front with your backers. Um, and within your story, you typically present a timeline of what you're trying to do. And so as an entrepreneur, um, you can go through and kind of be like, identify these products look like they're probably being made the same area as us. Right. Let's throw out some, let's basically go sales mode and send as many emails to these guys as we can to see if there's synergies we can use to basically reduce our cost against our logistics. So, so does Kickstarter have like a, an interactive section for the for the businesses that are promoting their products to interact, or you got to kind of do that on your own? You have to do it on your own. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not the most challenging piece. It's more so just time consuming. Right. Um, but you're able to go in there and you know, like there's a, there's a company out there that made these really cool waterproof jackets that fits the outdoor world. And so there's a couple, there's a lot of ways you can find these companies that are in the same startup phase as you that are also looking for collaborations and support from other brands to one, get their word out. You know, if I share it, with our Kickstarter audience of 2,200 backers, and he shares it with his Kickstarter audience of 2,800 backers, you know, that's a win-win for both of us. And let's find other synergies that we can do. And, and the Kickstarter community um, through their messaging platform, like it's, it's just a really cool place for entrepreneurs to work with other entrepreneurs and find solutions that are working for them and, and you know, take yeah. a little page out of their book and apply it to your business. Yeah. I think maybe Kickstarter, if they're listening, should take a page from you and they should build a community that's maybe, you know, connected to your profile. It's not open to the public, but it's open to the 
businesses and the entrepreneurs that are on the platform so they can interact and be collaborative. And I mean, especially look, look what's happening in the world, right? We got to be resilient. You got to make adjustments all the time. You probably don't know what you're walking into every day with the stuff that's going on in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what you were doing back in the spring, but a lot of people, their whole supply chain shut down. The factories were closed, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I, I still consult for a handful of brands, you know, like we're still in such early stages where if I can keep those consulting, that consulting money coming in, yeah, you need I can the reinvest all in, the, sure. and I can reinvest what I would be paying myself from Parkit, you know, back into Parkit. Right. Um, that's just going to help the business grow more. And so those are the, the sacrifices that you have to make as an entrepreneur. But I've got clients who have tons and tons of orders that are just incredibly backordered because their factory shut down. Uh, one of them, the factories never even came back. Yeah, um, and never so they reopened, to, huh? And, and they never reopened. They had to go source a new factory. Their product was getting hit with the 25% Chinese tariffs. They moved all of their production capabilities to Taiwan, but they missed out on the, on the, on the entire summer of sales. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of things that a lot of businesses are, are challenged with every day. And, you know, like we wake up on November 3rd and we go through the election cycle that we've gone through. And, you know, by all means and purposes right now, it sounds like we're going to have a different president, which means on January, so January 10th or January 20th, 20th. which means on January 20th, you know, January 21st, we could have the uh, tariffs on China could be gone. That changes the entire situation for a bunch of, of companies course. all over again. Absolutely. So, and it probably will be. That's it's what's going to happen. And I think that, you know, if there was a platform where you could, like you did on LinkedIn, where you could post a question or, hey, I need help with this, or do you guys have any room in this content? You know, it might be a lot more efficient to uh, deal with all my, my, you know, my factory and shit the Sejuan province, I don't know about China, but then the Sejuan <laughs> province is shut down. Just want to preface that is shut down. Does anybody know, are you dealing with a factory that can handle this? And I think that would be valuable mm -hmm. to all the business owners and you got to do it kind of on your own right now. Yeah. No, you have to do it on your own. And, and, uh, like the, the company that I do some consulting for that had their factory just completely, you know, ghost them for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, they're working with a new sourcing agent to figure out all their Taiwan production and build that supply chain. Right. All right. I, so I, I know we've been on for a while, so I, I don't want to miss the product and talking about, you know, what it is. So, so what, what's it made out of? Is it lightweight yes. material or just aluminum? Yeah. So our, our chair, the Voyager is built out of aircraft grade aluminum. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit heavier than your standard outdoor chair. Um, okay. but with that aircraft grade aluminum, aluminum, it's some of the strongest aluminum you can use, uh, for the construction of an outdoor chair. And does um, it have it straps to carry it on my back? If I'm walking somewhere it, and need hands-free. It does. It has uh, two straps that connect to the back. Um, and then there's two joints on the side of the chair that create a backpack, um, orientation. You can also extend the straps, um, and use one strap so you can carry it over the shoulder, um, like, you know, a, a yeah. purse or a tote bag. Um, sure. and if you wanted to wear it across the chest, like a satchel, uh, the way I describe it is like when a guitarist is on stage and he throws his guitar behind his back and talks to the audience, right. um, you can have that style also is built into it and designed into it as well. So there's three carry styles, depending upon your preference. Okay. Um, we've got wood armrests built into it that are sealed. So they're weatherized and weather weatherproof. Okay. Uh, the fabric is a woven polyester. Um, so it's soft, um, instead of that nylon that people are typically sitting in, in these outdoor chairs that has a bit of like a, if you've ever sat in it, it's like a hard crunchy feel. Yeah. So if you're That's if in cold shorts or, or at, right. yeah, if you're at the beach or something, it, it's not comfortable against your skin. And so we eliminated those, those issues. And then, uh, the piece of two pieces of the puzzle that we're really excited about are the cup holder and the cooler. Um, the cooler has a, is it's a welded sealed and insulated cooler, which means that it's going to maintain ice for eight plus hours. 
Um, I actually what's did a it test. made out of? It is made out of a I forget I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. It's like a nylon PVC blend. Um, okay. And they, they, it's but like it's a, designed to hold. What is it? In, it's like a double walled or something. It's designed so it doesn't melt the ice so quickly. Yes, it's it's double walled, and that's where that insulation piece comes in. So there's basically a barrier between the exterior of the cooler and the interior of the cooler that's insulated and acts right. as that insulation piece. Um, we've also got two exterior pockets on the outside of the cooler that, because of the the barrier, they're basically shielded from anything that would be inside the cooler. So if the ice begins to melt and, you know, maybe you have some food in there or something happens and there's a spillage, um, that's not going to seep into those pockets. And so you can store your phone, your, your Kindle, if you like to read a Kindle at the beach, um, the book, all of those types of things can go in the pockets. And so you really have this one shot product that you can carry to and from your car to the place you are. And that's removable. Like you can leave your chair in the car and take the cooler if you need to, or vice versa. Yep, exactly. We built one of the things we've also focused on is we know that not everybody is going to always want a cooler with them. You know, um, if right. you're traveling in a van, uh, which my girlfriend and I, we, we have a van Ford Transit that we're building out. Um, we probably need to maximize the amount of space that we have. And so for us, we were focused on it. Like, let's build a product where you can detach the cooler. Um, and then when you're going to your kid's sporting event and you've got three days of soccer games to be at, you can reattach the cooler and you've got that there for you throughout the day. Right. Um, and then, uh, the, the cup holder is a fun little piece. Um, most chairs, the cup holder is built in and it's, it's fixated on one side of the chair, um, which doesn't typically in the, in culturally, that's always been in an appeasement to right-handed people like myself. Um, our cup holder is actually interchangeable. You can quickly pull it out from one side, sit it to the left side and put it into the left. So it, so basically if you're left-handed, right-handed, you're good to go. It also allows you to purchase two cup holders. So if you have you two of them, another one, right. you can, if you have two of them, you can have your phone in one cup holder playing music. You can have a beer in the other one, or you can have two drinks, whatever you want to do with it. You can, you can install and interchange those however you see fit. The other fun thing about the cup holder, and this is the piece of the puzzle of it that I get really excited about is that it's actually built to hold cans, canteens, like your, your Yeti water bottles or your hydro flask um, and coffee mugs. There's a small U-shaped cutout that's built specifically. So when you wake up in the morning and you put on hot tea or hot coffee while you're camping, um, you can put that in your coffee mug. You can put that coffee mug in your cup holder and you can easily reach over and grab the handle and pull that out without having to grab the hot cup. Um, and potentially. Oh, I see. Like a, like a cozy type of thing that wraps around the. Yep. Exactly. So uh, it's a, it's, it was a fun piece. It was definitely a really exciting piece to make because we were like, wait, how can we make the cup holder different and make it super functional? And uh, we really nailed it with that. So you probably never thought in your lifetime, you'd be so excited about a cup holder, right? No, really. I (laughs) I mean, like this thing, this thing fits right into it. And oh yeah, that's one of the problems, right? A lot of these bigger coolers now don't fit into your cup holder in your car. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely, you know, you think of it as a little thing, but it's definitely a design challenge because now we are getting bigger. People want Yetis and, you know, stuff that's more, what's the word, substantial and holds more liquid and stuff like that. And then you sit down in these old chairs and you might as well just put it on the ground. It's not going in the cup holder. Yeah. And and I'm one of those people that like, despite being such an outdoor enthusiast and, and surfer, I hate sand. Um, sand tracks back everywhere. It's like, yep. it's like the glitter of the, of the outdoor world. Yeah. And, um, like, I don't want to put this in the sand cause I don't want to then put this in my car and then look in the cup holder in my car and see the sand and then bring it into the house. And now it's on the table and there's more sand. One year we were that. at the beach. This is when my kids were little and there was some sort of a big storm that was blowing sand around and rain and whatever. And we had to leave that day or get, I was finding sand 
in crevices and nooks in the car for years. Mm-hmm. It just gets yeah. everywhere because it's tiny little grains, you know? And so with it, with the cup holder, it was like, well, let's put this in a way where everybody's drinks are above the ground at all times. And it's a can, a canteen, a coffee mug, a white cloth style can, you name it, it fits in the cup holder. And it's easy and- to wash. Oh yeah. If you, if you just pop it right out, you can put it in the dishwasher if you wanted to. Oh, I, hadn't okay. even, I hadn't even thought about that until now, but you realistically just take that thing out. It's a piece of plastic, put it in the dishwasher, run it. Won't it melt? And, uh, no, shouldn't no melt. it can't because if you put hot and cold. Yeah, right. Of course that would not be good because it could melt in the sun. If you're sitting. Yeah, that'd be a big problem. <laughs> at the beach, Definitely. All right. Well, um, I think it's really cool. So, so let's talk about this because we'll figure this episode will be coming out March, April, right? There okay. may be product available, right? When we're talking, when they're hearing this, right? Yes. Yeah. So we're supposed to have our first delivery um, in either mid-February or early March. Okay, good. Um, at which point we will be changing over our website from pre-orders to available now, which I cannot tell you how excited we are to, to put I'm available sure. now on our Cash website. Cashflow makes people excited. Exactly. I mean, we've, we've been really lucky that we have an incredible group of backers and, and customers right now who are pre-ordering our product and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're following the story and they're asking us questions about this. And like, it's really cool to see how this community is uh, being built around our product and our mission. Um, but in March, um, we'll be available for retail online. It'll be in our warehouse. You can go on our website, www.parkitmovement.com. Check it out, throw it in your cart, um, order one, and uh, our warehouse team will slap a label on it and ship it to you with anywhere within the 48 unit contiguous. Eh, I can't say that word. Continental. Yeah, anywhere contiguous within the four- states, continental, you know, whatever. There we go. Everything but Alaska and Hawaii, right? Everything but Alaska and Hawaii, and we're and working on figuring out. We're working on figuring out um, Hawaii and Alaska. They're just a little bit. Can't trickier. order of it in your Guam or Samoa, huh? No, Guam, Guam and Samoa are going to be a little bit MIA for a while. But, uh, right. you know, those are the stages of, of starting a business is right. we get but a lot of this will be people. good timing because you'll be coming into the spring. The yes. product will be available. So people should check it out online. We'll put the links in the show notes. And uh, is there anything on the slate for next products or things you're working on that are on the drawing board or ideas or things that you can share? I've got a couple ideas um, you know, they're very, very early stage. Um, okay. so, you know, for at the moment we're going to hold back Don't on, jinx on it. Let's not talk yeah, about exactly. It. <laughs> um, but for us, you know, it's, it's more so a matter of us ensuring that our supply chain, um, can meet the demand that we know from a marketing and brand standpoint, we can yeah. create, you know, if our Kickstarter campaign taught us anything, um, it's that we have the potential to really grow this thing into a household brand in a similar sense of, you know, what some of the brands before us have done. Yeah. Um, and the biggest issue from what I can tell that a bunch of my clients uh, from a consulting side and, and brands that I work, uh, I see the biggest issue for them is not so much selling their products. It's making sure that they have inventory coming in and then yeah. nothing. And I think the biggest thing with that has been some of the shutdowns and things we have experienced this year with COVID. Um, but in regards to, you know, the way that Facebook and all of these digital sales tools work, whether you're marketing on Snapchat, Pinterest, um, Google, whatever it is, um, they've really refined the process down to the point where as a a front end sales and marketing person, you can identify, this is what's working for us. Let's keep rinsing and repeating. This is our warehouse full, right? We have stuff to give people. Um, and if you can make sure that your warehouse has product in it, uh, and you utilize those tools, uh, you know, the sky's the limit and we were, we're hoping that we have a really great 2021 and 
in 2022, uh, where we become a very nationally known brand and maybe a, a little bit ambitious in being that fast, but it's uh, better to be ambitious. Don't be. Not yeah. Ambitious. The tools, the tools are definitely at our disposal. And so it's a matter of just putting the head down getting the hard work done and bringing this brand to more people. And I assume you're using third-party management, you know, inventory management. You're not, you don't have a warehouse where you're keeping this stuff. You're using a company public warehouse that warehouses it for you and ships it for you. Um, at the moment, we're actually going to be doing our own warehousing. Um, my uncle, who I mentioned earlier, he has a, has a warehouse here oh, we're nice. set up in Oceanside where he's got a good amount of extra space in it. And so uh, we're going to really refine that process for ourselves first. Right. Um, which is going to give us, you know, one ownership of that process and teach us what works best for us. And that way, when we shop those three PLs and those third party logistics uh, companies that can, can can help support a higher volume, right. uh, we'll, we'll be able to explain these are the pieces of the puzzle that we know that we will need. Um, does your service offer these? Right. And uh, it'll put us in a position, I think, to, to make the, the right decision with a three PL. Um is the, is the chair shipped to you ready to go to a customer? Or do you have to repackage it? No, they come to us. Um, and so when you're shipping, I don't know how detailed you want to get into this, but um, when you're shipping, you typically have a, you typically have your master carton right. and your master carton contains X amount of units. Um, so for example, uh, you know, if we were making towels, we're going to have a master carton, that master carton could have 30 towels in it. Right. Um, and so for us, um, our master cartons contain four chairs and so that all gets loaded into the containers. Not with coolers though yet. No, the cooler, everything's attached. So oh, it is. Final, okay. final product stuffed all in there. Con- it's all assembled over there, put together, you know, made, assembled, comes in. Yep. You just have to do a quality control test or something. Yeah, we got to do a quality check. We got to slap a label on it. And we got to confirm that the uh, the other add-ons that people may have purchased uh, through our Kickstarter campaign, our backers had an opportunity to purchase T-shirts and extra cup holders and other got accessories. It. Um, and so then we got to, you know, who gets this, add these items to it and out it goes. So, so what's, uh, let's talk, uh, since we're running out of time price point, what do these things sell for? You can just check the website, but, uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. So right now they retail at 209.99. Any pattern? Any pattern, 209.99. Um, we offer a discount when you buy two. So you'll save an extra 10% when you buy two and during the holidays and during other special sales, uh, sales times of the years, like 4th of July, Memorial day, labor day. Those are going to be big sale days for us. Uh, we'll have, you know, enhancements against those sales to be term- to be determined on what they are. Uh, but if you want early access to any of those types of things, you know, sign up for our newsletter. You'll get notified a couple days in advance before the sale. And, you know, in some circumstances, you may have access to a better deal than what yeah. we present on the website because you're a part of our community. Um, so, And they can sign up of- right on your website. Was it parkit.com? Uh, parkitmovement.com. Parkitmovement.com. Okay. And they can sign up for the newsletter right on the website. Yep. Right on the website. All right. Well, we'll put the show notes in there. I appreciate you taking time out. It's the middle of the day out there. So it's four o'clock here. I don't want to take away from your surf time. So, um, and, and we got lucky. We had no trains and no, what was the other one? The lawnmower or the garbage man? Uh, yeah. The garbage man. Right. Yeah. It's, it's Friday. We typically get all the trains of people from LA going through Oceanside to San Diego. Um, right. And then we get the garbage guy going around the neighborhood, picking up all the trash and we've avoided both of them today. That's so. good. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and thanks for, uh, for joining me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having us. It was fun to discuss all this stuff with you guys. Awesome. Steven. Thank you for listening to this episode of the accidental entrepreneur opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.